already heard while we're here this morning. Celebrate the risen Christ. Mark 16, 6, it says, Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified, is risen. Please stand as we sing, Christ arose. Father, we come to you today on what many consider as the most reverent day of the year, the day in which so many years ago you performed yet another miracle by defeating death as we know it and ascending to heaven with an open invitation for all of those that chose to follow you. Father, we know that you would forgive us of all our transgressions if only we just ask, and we so humbly thank you for your never-ending mercy, even though it's undeserving. With that being said, Father, I still ask in your name that you bless all of us yet again today. And use Brother Wayne as your vessel as he delivers your message 
May your message, Lord, open the ears of those of us that have already accepted you but have strayed from your path so that we may once again be close to you and have a better understanding of what you would have us to do to serve you better. Lord, may your message open the hearts of those here today who have yet to accept you so they may understand the overpowering love and peace that you can give them. Dear Father, please now take our humbling offerings and guide our leaders to use these in a way that will better serve in helping to bring more soldiers to your army. We love you, Father, and we ask these blessings in your name. Amen.
We stand forgiven at the cross. Amen. Jesus was raised from the dead. We are here to celebrate. We are in the final of a series of the I Am sayings of Jesus. And we've looked at, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life, the true vine. And on Easter Sunday, I am the resurrection and the life. John eleven seventeen through 27 is where Jesus tells us this. And in telling us, I am the resurrection and the life. It changes everything. He has been summoned to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead and in the tomb for four days. Verse 17 of John 11 says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary sat in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, he who is coming into the world. And the question for you and me this morning is, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Because whether or not you believe these words of Jesus hinges where you will spend eternity. Shall we pray? Father, we are here this morning to testify to our faith in the resurrection and our trust in the hope that it provides. When Jesus came to Lazarus' funeral, He changed it into a day of resurrection. When Jesus was buried in the tomb for three days, on Easter Sunday it became a day of resurrection. And when we confess our faith in You and believe in You and You come into our hearts, At that very moment, you change it into a moment of resurrection in our lives. Help us to live like resurrected people. Help us to spend these short days on earth preparing for eternity in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were like family to Jesus. Going to and from Jerusalem, Bethany was just on the outskirts. It was a suburb of Jerusalem. Their home was the closest thing to a home that Jesus had. Only Luke mentions Jesus' relationship with his family. Matthew and Mark tell us wherever Jesus went, when he went to Jerusalem, he spent evenings in Bethany with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And John, as he so often does, gives us some details and more intimate observations of their relationship. He loved, he says, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. 
And it was Mary in John 12 that anointed Jesus' feet with anointment and wiped them with her hair. He tells us this in 11.2. Look at this. It was Mary, John 11.2, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And then he doesn't even tell us about that event for another chapter in John 12. So John wants us to know who this family is. And so he gives us something that happens before he even tells the story about it. He's getting a little ahead of himself. Well, Jesus is in Perea, and it's across the Jordan. And the news arrives to him of Lazarus' sickness. In verse 6, verse six it says that Lazarus was ill, and he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Why? It's kind of odd. If Jesus hears that Lazarus is ill, why not come immediately? Why delay? Why tarry where he is two days longer? Because he tells us in verse 4, this illness is not unto death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified by means of it. In other words, Jesus stays where he is two days longer because he knows when he arrives he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And when that happens, God will get the glory and the Son of God will be glorified in it. Every time someone dies and is resurrected to new life, God should get the glory. So let's think about that next time we go to a funeral. It's a time of glory for God because he's resurrected someone from the dead. Well, when they finally arrive in Bethany, Lazarus has been dead and buried for four days. News of the dramatic event comes, and we have Easter Sunday. The practical sister, Martha, comes out to meet Jesus and give him the news that Lazarus is dead. Mary, the emotional one, stays inside in mourning. Lord, Martha says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. Martha doesn't understand. She says, yes, I know he will. On the last day of the resurrection of the dead. And this is where Jesus utters this startling, this bold statement. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Of all the claims Jesus made, this had to be the boldest. It's no promise of some distant future hope. This is victory over death right here, right now. Eternal life in the present. And Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And I love that part, but I really love this part. I heard somebody say one time, what would have happened if Jesus had not specified, Lazarus, come forth? If he had just turned to the cemetery and said, come forth, what would have happened? Everybody who had been dead and buried in that entire cemetery would have gotten up and come forth and started walking around. Now, wouldn't that have been a sight to behold? We are here this morning to worship the life giver, Jesus Christ, the one whose resurrection we celebrate today, the one who in John 10, 10, 10 declared that he came so we could have abundant life right now. And this story of Lazarus' death and how Jesus responded to it, we learned two simple truths. And so this is not your typical Easter Sunday sermon where I preach on Jesus' resurrection, but I'm going to preach on the resurrection of Lazarus and how Jesus responded to it and what that teaches us about Easter Sunday. Two simple truths. Please get these. Earthly life is temporary. Your spiritual life is eternal. Earthly life is temporary. Your spiritual life 
is eternal. What do those two simple truths have to teach us? Well, the first one, Jesus teaches that your earthly life is temporary. Every life ends in death. The death rate is 100%. It was true for Lazarus. We don't know what sickness caused his death. In those days of primitive medicine, you were fortunate if you lived into your 40s. But we know he had died and had been in the tomb for four days. And it would be true of Jesus. The shortest verse in the Bible, here is verse 35. Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Why is that verse so short? I think because it contains something so immense that they wanted us to catch it. I don't think Jesus wept because of the death of Lazarus, because he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. Some people think Jesus wept because it reminded him of his own death that he was going to be facing soon. I don't think so. I think Jesus wept because he loved Mary and Martha so much, and he saw them grieving the death of their brother. And when those Jesus love hurts, hurt, he hurts too. That's the measure of compassion that Jesus has for everyone. It's greater than you and I can imagine. And every time we grieve, God is grieving with us. Earthly life is temporary. And it'll make a difference in how we live this life if we really believe it. How? First of all, it'll teach us to live each day to the fullest. Just before the death of actor Michael Landon, who was Little Joe on Bonanza, he gave a last interview, and even though his life didn't always represent what was best, he said something at his death that made sense. He said, life lasts, it's good to remember death is coming. And it's good we don't know when. It keeps us alert. It reminds us to live while we have the chance. Somebody should tell us we're dying. Then we might live life to the limit every minute of every day. Do it. Whatever you want to do, do it now. There are only so many tomorrows. Now, does this mean we have to live every day as if it were our last? No, because then we'd be frantically running around trying to tie up loose ends and, and take care of last-minute details. Or on the other extreme, we'd be contacting all of our loved ones and family members for final hugs and goodbyes. We don't live each day as if it were our last. We live each day as though someday it's going to be our last. We only have so many tomorrows, so make each day count for the fullest. Secondly, if we believe that earthly life is temporary, we'll make sure we will invest in those things that are eternal. During World War II, a pilot in the South Pacific wrote a letter to his minister. And in that note, he said, Since I have been out here, I have learned how few things count in life. But I have also learned how much those few things count. Did you hear that? I have learned how few things really count. But I have also learned how much those few things count. Let me give you a timeline. Let's say... This point on my toe represents our earthly life. And if, if it is 80 years or 90 years or 100 years on our timeline, it's, it's this point at the tip of my toe. Now, let's draw a line for eternity. Does that line go to the back of the sanctuary? Does it go to the Atlantic Ocean? 
How far does a timeline for eternity go in relationship to the 80 years we live here on earth? How far? Forever. Buzz Lightyear says to infinity and beyond. That's how far eternity is in relationship to the 80, 90, or 100 years we spend on this point right here at the tip of my toe. So why do we invest so much in this tiny point and so little in this timeline that lasts forever and ever? Eternity lasts forever. Our earthly lives are temporary. So instead of spending so much time on this point, let's spend time here preparing for the timeline that goes on forever and ever, the things that really matter, the things that are eternal. If we really believe that our earthly life is temporary, then we will learn to accept death as a natural end to life. We had a church member who died of cancer several years ago, and I had the opportunity to be with her near the time of death. She knew it was imminent, and she talked openly about it. And I asked her if it bothered her to talk about her own death so openly, and she said, no. She said, I'm not afraid of death. I'm just afraid of what I have to go through to get there. Death is not an intruder. That's a natural end to this earthly life of ours. This life is temporary. And I don't want to be morbid, but there's some who were here last Easter who aren't here today, and there's some who are here today who will not be here next Easter. It's just a fact of life. It's a simple truth. But the question is, if we believe that, then why don't we act on it? Because if we really believe that truth and understand its implications fully, it would change everything about how we live in this world. It would add significance to every moment of every day, and we would spend more time thinking about eternity and preparing for it than we would wallowing in these few short years we have here on earth because our earthly lives are so short and they're temporary. Secondly, Jesus teaches that in contrast to our temporary earthly life, our spiritual life will be eternal. And I say your spiritual life is eternal, even those who aren't going to heaven, because if you aren't going to heaven, you're also going to spend eternity apart from God. Eternity with God or eternity apart from God. Every earthly life is temporary and will end in death, but every spiritual life is eternal and it will be, live either forever with God or forever separated from Him. It was true of Lazarus. What a wonderful promise Jesus gives Martha as they stand in the shadow of Lazarus' tomb. Jesus says, He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then Jesus confirms that by raising Lazarus from the dead. Of course, a Lazarus would eventually die again, but the raising of Lazarus was a foreshadowing of what was to come. The promise of the gospel, the declaration that death will end in life. It was true of Jesus on Easter Sunday. The empty tomb testifies that death could not hold Jesus. It could not keep him in the grave. And on the third day, Jesus rose and lived again. Spiritual life is forever. And that simple truth should make a difference in our lives if we really believe it. How will it change? It changes. First of all, it'll give us some courage. Where does courage come from? I heard a story about courage from a woman who went to the dentist office with her husband one day. 
She said, doctor, I want this tooth pulled and I want it yanked out right now. We're going on vacation today. We're supposed to be on a cruise liner in about five hours. I don't have time for Novocaine or any painkiller or anything like that. Just pull the tooth. The dentist looked at her and said, ma'am, I've never met anyone like you in my whole life. What tolerance for pain? What courage? Where's the tooth? And she looked at her husband and said, Herb, show him the tooth. Where does courage come from? It comes from the knowledge that nobody can do anything in this life to us that will separate us from the love of God. Romans 8 gives us that assurance. Nobody can do anything to us in this life that will not be rectified and reversed in the resurrection of the dead. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. If the most a person can do is kill our earthly temporary lives, then we don't have to be afraid because it's so short anyway. That's the message of Easter. Death is not forever. If we really believe that, our earthly lives would be energized with new courage and would also have hope. When we or someone we love comes to the end of an earthly life, where does hope come from? William Ernest Henley wrote that famous poem Invictus. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. That sounds like a man in control, doesn't it? Well, actually, Henley's hope faded with changing circumstances later on in life, and he, he ended up taking his own life in despair because he had placed his hope in himself. He had made himself the captain of his own ship, and he found out he wasn't a very good captain. So where does hope come from? Hope doesn't come from us. It comes from Jesus living in us. Hope comes from the knowledge that Jesus in his resurrection has changed death from a sunset into a sunrise, from a period to a comma. My best friend in the ministry, I've talked about him before, was a guy by the name of William Benton. He died of cancer in March of 1993. And seldom a day goes by that I don't think about him or something he taught me. He was pastor of First Baptist Church in York, South Carolina, right below Charlotte when I was in South Carolina too. He had kidney cancer. They removed the kidney, but it metastasized. And eventually I, I saw a tumor grow in his abdomen the size of a basketball. And I remember going to the men's clothing store and, and buying suspenders because his belt wouldn't go around the, the tumor and hold his pants up anymore. He talked openly with me about death and what he was going through and taught me a lot. He admitted uh, his concern about cancer and what it was doing to his body and acknowledged that he hated the thought of leaving his wife and two sons. But he said with a note of triumph, he said, Wayne, a couple of things give me comfort. He says, first of all, knowing that you and folks like you are praying for me. And he said, second of all, because of my faith in God, I am certain that no matter what happens, it'll be all right. 
That's the message of Easter. Death is not forever. If we really believe that, then we will have hope in tomorrow. And we can live with that hope because our spiritual lives are eternal. Jesus teaches us two things in this final statement of the I am sayings of Jesus in the Gospel of John. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And in teaching that, he says, every earthly life will end in death. Every spiritual life will last forever. Our decision is, how will that forever be for us? Faith in God means you'll forever be with Him. Denial of God means you will forever be separated from Him. It's going to be eternal either way. But I hope and pray that by trusting and believing in Jesus Christ, God's Son, who died for our sins, was buried and resurrected on the third day, that you will have life in Him and life everlasting in His presence. Evangelist Dwight L. Moody was a revivalist in the late 19th, early 20th century. He had a song leader named Sankey, and Moody and Sankey traveled across America and traveled through Europe, and, and they were much like the Billy Graham and George Beverly Shea a century earlier. Well, when Moody was a young evangelist, he was called on unexpectedly to do a funeral, and he'd never done a funeral. So he decided to get out his Bible and look at Jesus and find some funeral that Jesus preached to model his after. But he searched in vain. He found that Jesus never spoke at a funeral. You want to know why? Because every funeral that Jesus attended, he broke up. Every funeral that Jesus went to ended up in a resurrection and a celebration. Death could not exist where Jesus was. When the dead heard his voice, they sprang to life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. So don't go to Jesus looking for a funeral. Go to Jesus looking for a resurrection. In the presence of Jesus, death ceases to exist. It's the message of Easter. Jesus has conquered death and shown us the way. He is risen again. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we are here to celebrate the anniversary of your resurrection. We celebrate it every day of our lives, but the anniversary is something special because we acknowledge our trust and faith and belief in it. Not only that it happened 2,000 years ago in a borrowed grave outside the gates of Jerusalem, but it happens today every time someone professes their faith in you and finds forgiveness of sins and you come into their heart to become their Lord and Savior. That resurrection occurs in their lives again. If you are the resurrection and the life, and we believe you are, when, when you enter into somebody's heart, that resurrection and life takes root right then and right there. 
And even though that physical life may end in death, that spiritual life will last forever. And Father, we believe that. Let it order our days here in such a way that it'll change everything. Our few short days here are like grass that soon withers and is blown away. Help us to use it wisely, preparing for those days that really matter. Eternity with you forever. In your name we pray. Amen. Our invitation on him this morning, wherever he leads, I'll go. If he's leading you to come down this aisle to profess your faith publicly, maybe you have invited Jesus into your heart privately at home, beside your bed, but you've never shared it openly. Don't be ashamed of him. Stand boldly for him as he has stood for you. If you need to rededicate your life, if you'd like to join this church, we would open the doors of fellowship to you. We'd welcome you. Let's stand together and sing 285. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll be at the front to receive you. Please come.